What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Loami Richardson. Welcome to my podcast, Just My Thoughts. And as you can see, I have a special guest with me today. Um, but before I introduce you to um, my special guest today, um, I, I got to share a little backdrop. You see, uh, um, before he became a, uh, a world-renowned uh, trainer. I already know. I already know where this is heading to. I already know where this is heading to. We was a part of one of the hip-hop's greatest duos, Guns and Butter. Guns and Butter. But unfortunately, because of our, you know what I'm saying, because of contract negotiations and, you know, conflict of interest, we broke off and we never got to release that album, man. But I just want to introduce my boy, Ryan. Ryan, thank you so much for welcome to my podcast. No bro. problem, just, no problem. <laughs> if you can, that's, man, just, oh, that's so funny. <laughs> people don't that's know, so man. Funny. We go back from they the Nike know. days, man. Yeah, man, yeah, man. We're all kind of we all had a, a vision and hope. You know what I'm saying? As to yeah, basketball was our passion, and, and it translated into sneakers and working. Not making yeah. a lot of money, man. But the memories that we had there for sure was uh, man, definitely, man. There was just definitely a lot of passion involved in our environment. Like, just the people that we were around, like, the conversations we had daily were just, wow, like, I can't wait till you do it. Like, for every person that we've interacted with, like, to me, it was just like, wow, I can't wait till you do it. Just because of everyone just showed enough passion for it. So, yeah, it's man. cool. It's really gonna, cool to we're see. We're going to unpack that in this conversation. But, man, hey, for those who are watching or listening, uh, tell the audience what is it that you do, who you are, what your story is, and, um, and we'll dive right in. All right, so my name is Ryan Buhane, and I'm the founder of a world-renowned basketball skill training program called Two Hands Basketball. I train players all over from the youth level, the grassroots level, all the way to the pro and high school level, collegiate division one to any type of level for college, collegiate as well. Uh, some of the most, mm, I, just, I guess you could say famous guys that I work with are Kemba Walker from the Boston Celtics NBA All-Star, obviously, and then um, Victor Oladipo. NBA All-Star for the Indiana Pacers, and a few other NBA guys as well throughout my journey that I had the opportunity to work with as well. Okay, so you said you're the CEO and founder of Two Hands Basketball. How did you come up with the name Two Hands Basketball? Last time I checked, you dribbled two hands as a travel. So, so what came up with the name Two Hands Basketball? All right, so, okay, so we're going to go dive into the actual basketball concept of it, and then we're going to actually dive into the backstory of it, okay? Because uh -huh. um, obviously anybody that knows who I am, I'm, ve I'm a very much of a jokester. All right, we'll dive into that later, but just know that I'm a jokester. A lot of times I don't take things seriously, um, and that's just part of my personality, my outgoing personality. I think I'm very outgoing at least. But um, so, two hands basketball. Obviously, in the game of basketball, ambidexterity is a very important impact, uh, important concept, important element of your game. you got to be able to handle the basketball with one hand while operating and functioning with your other side with your other hand. So, therefore... When I was younger, I really did a lot of methods with two basketballs. Obviously, there's no two basketballs in the game, but it really improved my handle to go to the next level. Just because if you can handle one bas if you can handle two basketballs, handling one basketball will be a lot more easier just because you've already exposed yourself to those challenges in training. Mm -hmm. So keyword is training, not game situational stuff, just improving and enhancing your body and your ability to handle the basketball. So if I could handle two basketball, if I could cross the basketball over two times with each hand or whatever the case might be, it would essentially improve my handle, which it drastically did. Uh, throughout my journey in basketball, I just kept doing my two-ball methods, which also evolved into multiple methods where I'm using both of my hands, whether that's activating my offhand with a certain accountability tool, or whether that's a cone, tennis ball, med ball, whatever the case might be. I was just 
I was always operating with both hands, doing isolated things with both hands. So the the, the word to, or the name, the title, Two Hands Basketball, really came from the methods I, were do, I was doing within the basketball realm, which is two basketballs, one basketball cone, one basketball tennis ball, just operating with both my hands. Therefore, Two Hands Basketball came to life just because of what I, the methods I, were, I was doing as a pursuing player. Now, the backstory to that is, this has to do a lot with my personality, with my friends. So I have a friend who um, we would just mess around with, just kind of throw jokes at each other and just rap names. So instead, you've got everybody's heard of two chains. So I would. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you can kind of see where this is. Uh, yeah, yeah, to. yeah. So everybody knew who I was. I dribbled the basketball with two hands, two basketballs, whatever. So when I would do these freestyles, just messing around with my friends, um, you actually, it's funny because I sent her like a video. This was like seven years ago. I sent her a freestyle video. You know Vanessa. Remember Vanessa? Yeah, she yeah, She worked yeah, with yeah. us on Nike as well. Yep. So like really good friends with her, by the way. Um, so uh, really, by the way, you broke all right, cool. Yeah, we got but, it. You know, just sending her, you know, freestyle like videos and I would just like say two hands. It was the funny, funniest thing because they already like it was an insider joke at the moment and it, it turned into actually something big. So mm. when Instagram exploded, I think that was 2012, 2013, I just came up with, all right, cool. I'm going to make an Instagram I'm going to make an Instagram account called Two Hands Basketball. There's just me, you know, showcasing 15-second videos of me dribbling a basketball. You know, next thing you know, as a, this was me, by the way, as a pursuing player. Right. Um, I would go into just open gyms, work out, and then I would even volunteer some of my time to the youth league coaches or the youth, co- uh, youth leagues to coach. I would say, hey, I would volunteer my time. I would coach for free if you let me get some gym time so I can work out, not necessarily train people, yeah, just yeah. work out, you know? So that was where essentially, sorry, I, I need a charger cause I'm on like 10%. No, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of changing scenery here. So <laughs> I would literally volunteer my time, coach youth teams. I would coach like two or three teams. So, you know, you put that in perspective. I was spending a lot of time for the youth um, exposing who I am. I would coach two or three teams for a youth league. That means three games every Saturdays, three practices every week. Um, some teams have two times a week practices. So I was really getting involved with my community, but in exchange for gym time with a director, like, hey, give me an hour or two just to work myself out. So, but within those gym times, it wasn't me by myself. I would share it with like a team from that league or whatever the case might be. And um, it's funny, parents would like ask the director, like, Yo, who's that guy? And I'm here draining 30, 35 footers, five, six, seven, eight in a row. They were like, can he train my son? So, but that's, you know, I had no intention of training people. It was just me. Like, I love the game. I told people this. You want to get into the training game? You got to be really in love with this process because mm. it's, it's not all sunshines and rainbows. Like, to be honest, I'd be doing this for free. Yeah. If I wasn't monetizing off my passion, I was going to do it anyways. All right, so I want which, to be which is something I want to stop you know because I was gonna ask like what yeah. caused you to start your own training business and we, and you're kind of sharing the story as to something that oh yeah we'll, you get, we'll doing, definitely get there yeah, yeah yeah and you connected it with with passion your passion like like I tell people this all the time like if you're willing to do your line of work for free then you have found your calling you found your purpose you found your yeah your, I was your gonna do this up. anyway right. 
So I was going to do this anyway if I wasn't monetizing off of this. Now, the, the big issue with that was, obviously, my passion was the gym. I gym rat, worked as much as I can. But if I had to work, I had to do all these other things, which were, were the factors then. I had to work, I had to go to school, and then whatever the case might be. Um, I'd have less time in the gym. So eventually, um, a good friend of mine is connected with IMG Academy. Are you familiar with If anyone's yeah. familiar with IMG Academy, it's a big-time prep school or um, boarding school in Bradenton, Florida. It's where Anthony, Anthony Simons ended up yes. going. Yeah, local kid. Yeah. I, got, I got there before he got there. I was actually there when Jonathan Isaacs was there. Uh, okay. A few other guys were there. Uh, so um, I got hired there as a, as, a, as a trainer. I would do the camps. I'd be one of their trainers. They had a lot of trainers at, at that time, but I was one of the more um, passionate ones. You could, I mean, people, those guys were passionate, but, but also if you really want to talk about skill development, everybody just, here's the thing about skill development before, before we keep on going forward, skill development is such a broad world where you got to understand the ones that want to do it and just haven't got better at it yet. And then the keywords hasn't got better. Like they're still finding their way. And then there was me who was demonstrating, like I was a new guy, but I was demonstrating every session we had. I'm talking about demonstrating two ball stuff. They were just like, yo, who is this kid? Mm-hmm. Like, cause I was a new guy there. So, um, and eventually that kind of helped me earn my name in there where like, oh yeah, that's, yeah, he's that guy. Like, so I'm demonstrating camps, 50 to hundred kids. So I was just kind of throwing the lines. I was thrown in the lines at that time. I didn't necessarily know how to teach, but I knew how to work hard and I knew my methods. Mm-hmm. So I was learning the ropes of training then. So I was, a uh, Mediocre teacher then, but definitely could demonstrate. We'll, t- we'll touch back into that later about the craft. But anyways, that's how my journey started. I started at IMG Academy, but I had opportunities to work out pros, high-level collegiate division one guys, so, so-and-so. But the things they were doing were very basic. Um, and we'll, like I said, like my philosophies, we'll go into that later on, but it was something I didn't I didn't think that represented training, skills training at the high level. They were just feeding off of the name of big time name of IMG Academy, but I didn't necessarily believe that the quality of the training was provided. And that's just my honest opinion. I don't yeah, yeah. need to put names down, which is why I started, you know what? I'm not going to come back here. Let me just bet on myself. And eventually two hands basketball. It was an IG Instagram account then, but any, any extra money I had, I invested it. You know what? I'm going to monetize off this. One, if I, earn, if I bring clients in, it helps me stay in the gym longer. And my em- employment would be being in a gym, working on myself, and working on others. Um, that's how I started monetizing off two hands basketball. I created it to an actual business. I did all the processing and everything that needs to be turned to this, I did. And I invested that with my own money out of my pocket. And... I kind of did some kind of partnership with that youth director that helped me get into the gym to, you know, work, work with his youth teams and, and, um, exchange for gym time for me to work out myself. Now, since it's a business now, things change. So I have to ask them, okay, cool. I'll still, um, dedicate some time for you, uh, volunteer some time. I'll coach a few teams. If you let me get gym time to train a few players, that was the deal then. 
But now the, the game changed because now since I'm access, I have access to these youth players, I was now promoting, hey, I'm doing personal training, this and that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was charging like $10 a kid then. You wouldn't get me that for now. <laughs> uh, things change within a few years, which is yeah, I'm totally fortunate um, to add value to what I do, which is, um, but at then I was charging $10 a kid. I was going to, you know, bet myself, bet on myself, show, uh, ex- expose myself to everyone um, uh, for $10 a kid. Like, sure, let's do it um, just to start off. But uh, eventually um, people, the, the whole, the city of Kissimmee started catching on because I was using their gyms and facilities to train. But you know, business they yeah. want to cut out of everything. Yeah. So yeah, once you start profiting on something, that's when they want the. But it wasn't even that. It wasn't the fact that I was profiting. It's just the buzz got around where, like, oh, that's that guy, and they, they kind of mm-hmm. saw me using their gyms, uh, monetizing, and they're not not necessarily they're not necessarily getting a cut. They like every gym in Kissimmee started knowing who I was, and then there was like a red flag when I came in. Even though we were playing by the rules a little bit, where all right, cool, my client would get a daily membership, I get a daily membership. We train. Yeah, Technically, yeah, 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 that's yeah. doesn't matter what I do. We pay right. for our daily membership. Um, we didn't we didn't make no public transactions, but um, but they knew. Yeah, they knew. So it was just like all right, cool. So therefore, I started really renting out the gym. I got my liability, like my insurance liability insurance. Uh, uh, on the way, um, I started doing things the right way, and then I started running out gyms, and then eventually started creating programs, um, using utilizing these gyms multiple times a week and a day on a weekly schedule, hourly schedule, and I had a monthly program reoccurring, and therefore that's how business started turning up, which eventually led me to just getting my own spot. Yeah. Well, um, listen, you said a mouthful. I just wanted, for those who are listening, like, understand, like, what Ryan oh, yeah, is saying sorry. in the story. No, no, you're good. You're good. I'm glad you yeah, shared I can, all I that. Can, yeah, <laughs> I, could go deep, I could go really deep because uh, I have just so much, like, the things I've learned within this few years is just something, like, there's just so much details that if somebody can learn from it and somebody grasps the information I give them and create shortcuts, because yeah. eventually if I can help someone create shortcuts, so everything that I've done in seven years and they cut it down to three, oh man, that's a blessing for them. Good, yeah. That's good stuff for them. You know what I mean? But I, the, the bigger picture that I was kind of gravitated to as you was talking is like, yo, you took something that you was always passionate about and how that yeah. transitioned into making money and, and you know, and, the, and you said that you invested in yourself. Like, yo, like the money I get, I'm putting it into my business where it got to a point you're like, you know what? This is going to be my lifetime work. And it went from an idea, right? To making a little bit of money, getting buzzed to all of a sudden here it is that you're, you know, you're in the state that you're, yeah. in, the place you're in, but, but you, you invested into your passion. And I think that's so important for people like myself, you know, young people, you know, whoever has a dream or, or, or vision that they see for their future. It's so important to invest in, and it's going to be hard, right? Like seven years it took you to get where you're at. So it's not going to be overnight success, but, but it's so important to invest in your, in your future. I do want to ask you a question. As you know, you train and you, you're a basketball player. We hooped a couple of times. I was, you know, the, the, the shot was unorthodox, but that thing was money, bro, from 30 feet, man. But, but you guys, but you know, as a, as a basketball player, someone who trains adversity is something that, that basketball players are faced with on a consistent basis. Now I know in our conversations, when we used to work at Nike, like your dream was to play in the Philippines and play overseas and play professionally. And unfortunately, your ACL got torn and boom, and that was one setback. And then you got where you're at and 
another setback. Uh, uh, tell, tell the people who are listening, man, like how, how you handled that adversity and how you took that adversity and, and, and fueled it into what you're doing now. All right. So just a backstory on that. Right. So what, by the way, I met Loami as a senior in high school, well, going into my senior year in high school. I was working a part-time job at Nike with him. I was a junior becoming a senior and we spoke hoops. You know, I was that young kid, like, you know, he, he was a, um, probably like early twenties, maybe. Yeah. Right. Something like that. Yep, yep, yep. And, and he was, he was kind of giving me free game at that time and stuff like that. And then, uh, we worked out together. I tell him, Hey, I worked Zoom, out with this. Uh, was it, was it, uh, quicks? Quicks. Yep. quicks. So yep. I was, yeah, as God, quicks was, a. Uh, a uh, skills, no, no, I'm sorry, strength and agility coach um, and speed and agility. I'm sorry, strength and conditioning. Um, mm-hmm. That was my strength and conditioning trainer. And he was, he worked right across Nike factory at that time. He would do his trainings across Nike factory because he had the celebration hospital access and stuff. And we had a big full court in there. So I do a lot of my training there and I invited Leo, Loami, come work out with me and stuff. And we would work out in hoops after. Yeah. So this was me, a junior in high school, going into my senior year that summer um and i guess he kind of knew like all right yo this dude has potential like i told him like my aspiration like yeah man, i want to go overseas and play after i play college ball i want to go overseas and stuff like that but like my first game my senior year in high school i tore my acl i missed my whole senior year yeah um that was big that, that just because i didn't really have any recruits but i knew i could play and I just knew I had to have one breakout year because I I played three years in varsity for my previous school, but I, tra- I ended up transferring to another school just so in hopes that all right, cool, this program is gonna believe in me. They're buying in me, and I'm buying in them. Um, but it didn't work out that way. I tore my ACL first game, and I ended up transferring back to my old school, which was Gateway High School. But um, just because I wasn't gonna play for a year, like you know what? I mean, my family couldn't afford a private school because mm. it was a private school, so I was like, I'm gonna go back. Um, cause we essentially, we intentionally went to the private school to get my name exposed to, or get exposure through the recruitment and stuff. But obviously tore my, uh, tore my ACL the first game in, uh, that year and, um, whatever. Now, how I can't, uh, I face adversity. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie to you. I faced some demons through those two times of tearing my ACL. I, by the way, I tore my ACL twice. One was senior year in high school. One was two years after. Yep. Um, when I got, I got myself ready again, mentally, physically. I, I remember that conversation, man. man, how just, yeah, you was devastated, man. Yeah. So like I, I was facing some demons, man, like depression that I all time, I didn't want to talk to anybody. Um, but like, I had a really good support system though. Like my brother, my mother, my father, like they, they made sure that, um, they uplifted me every day. Um, I had a really good physical therapist where. Um, she would check in on me. It was, it was the coolest thing ever. Like, um, I forgot her name. I wish I could remember her name, but she would actually text me like, Hey, how's everything? Are you doing your exercises? She didn't have to. The moment our physical therapy session was over, she didn't, that was it. That should have been it. But this lady went above and beyond to make sure mentally I was locked in and emotionally I had some support. And then also someone that just checked in, like she, she went above and beyond her job to check in on someone. She didn't have to. It was already beyond her, you know, session. So I had a really good support system. How I got through that adversity. Um, obviously, not a lot of people have that luxury or that fortunate support system. But feel, reach out to someone. You can, hey, to whoever is listening, 
you can reach out to me to be honest. Like my number is available on my Instagram email. Like low Amy, like I haven't, listen, I haven't seen low Amy in years, yeah. but the fact that he can still connect with me, is cool. Like, you know, man. I, and, I, and I, me. and I I'm thank you so player. much, bro. Cause you know, I see yeah. you doing your thing and, and it's like, yeah. man, you know, let me reach out and you was more than willing to do this. So, so that I'm, I'm grateful for that. And that just kind of, you know, it testifies to the type of person that you are, man. It's just very down to earth, dude, you know, go, you know, go with the flow type guy, but, but always had this thing in you, man, where you're just like, yeah, I'm a jokester, but like, like when it comes to this, like, I'm serious. Like I, this ain't a joke. Like yeah. the game of basketball and all of that it is you right. know, I take this serious. Yeah. And uh, so, so I'm glad that you said that, man, you know, having a support system, you know, not being, you know, afraid of, of reaching out and, and even offering, you know, right. for people to reach out, man, that that's, I, I, we don't hear that enough because sometimes we feel like we're in that journey and battle alone, but, but I want to yeah, kind of let the viewers know yeah. that like, like he there's went people out there willing. Yeah. yeah. There's people willing. And then, like I said, like it was, I was very fortunate enough to have that support system. And then, but, um, but, uh, going on with that. So how I got through it also, like I had a support system, but it was one of those things I had to make a decision, right? I could be a victim or I can make something, I can make a crazy, crazy story out of this. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if I fail, I'm going to be in that same place anyways, whether I'm recovered or not, right? It's not like I'm going to go anywhere if I fail. But what if I, what if I don't? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So I, I just always, I was always in a, I was very, um, uh, I was very much envisioning what's on the other side of the success, success gate. How, like if I get there, right? it could be totally different from this side because if I don't, if I don't do anything, I'm going to be on this side anyway. So mm-hmm. I just really had a mentality and I, I, is this is so cliche, but like really I had a very, very tough mentality where, you know, like tough times don't last tough people do, you know what I mean? Like that cliche, but I mean, I, uh, that's not I'm cliche. Tough. That's, that's, that's hard hitting, right? It's, repeat yeah. that again. Cause I let people marinate. Tough on time, that. Yeah. Tough, tough times don't last tough people do. I was very mm. tough. Like that. I to, by the way, I was born in the Philippines, right? So you want to think about toughness. I didn't get to the States till I was about seven. So from, from one to seven, by the way, that's like, you know, you remember stuff from those times. And I lived in poverty, like in the Philippines. And then it was, if it wasn't for the sacrifice of my mom moving to the States, getting her sons to the States with her, she left us by, for two years. So think about a, a five-year-old not having his mother. Mm. because that mother made a sacrifice. I'm going to get my kids to a better place. Um, mm. You got to think about a tough mentality throughout that time. And I didn't really see my father a lot because my father was working. Yeah. Provide ends me. So that's me younger from five to seven. It was just like, just me and my brother at that time. Um, you know, so you had to really, I had to grow up quickly. We, we had to grow up quickly. And then um, even when we got to the States, when my mother brought us to Florida, my dad had to stay back home in Florida. In Florida. My mom was here, you know, she took us in, but she had to be working. So now you got two boys, you know, in the United States had to, you know, grow up too. Yeah. So like I, I, I was forced to grow up quickly, but um, you know, that taught us to be tough. But like, you know, like, like I said, it's, you know, I didn't, I don't mean to be cliche, but it's very much truthful, man. Tough times don't last. Tough people do. If you're just tough, and you have, and you're just persistent. Good things happen, man. Trust me. Like, especially with our situations now, man. You know, yeah. like, it's not my first rodeo. Obviously, it, it, in business, you know, like, 
like I was talking to Loami yesterday about it. Like, yeah, business was hit hard, but I'm doing so much things that allows me to adapt and make adjustments. And then also I'm, I highly believe I'm going to come out of this mm-hmm. stronger than a lot of people in my field because I'm always productive, whether they see it or not, or whether I'm training people or not, there's some kind of ideas that I'm coming off with that I'm going to execute behind the scenes. So when right. things get going again and the momentum starting to build again for everybody, I'm already ahead of the game because I've already started planting seeds on this downtime. So, okay. so listen, so it's all, from, about, all about persistence. Listen, uh, from, from, from seeing their story, you know, and transition into where you're at now, bro, from, you know, this kid who had a dream adversity set in, even going back all the way from, from you coming from the Philippines and listen, someone who visited the Philippines, I fell in love with that place. And, and man, I had just such a respect for the people and the culture and, Low key, I, I like. If I knew a language, bro, I, I, I would mind. Yeah, all right, first of all, what part of the Philippines were you in? I was in, I was in Manila. I was okay, in Cebu. You, you're in country. That was a little bit countryside. Yeah, yeah. I was in Manila. Yeah, I I heard the stories That's of Manila. Different. Yeah, I. That's yeah. different. Man. So I was in Manila. I so, was in Quezon City, man. That's man. You want to talk about like populated poverty? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't get so, to go yes. visit, but I know people who, yeah. you know, live there. And, and it's crazy to hear the story that's yeah. happened. But, but listen, all that led you to now having the opportunity to play, you know, or train with, you know, one of my favorite point guards. And it's not because he went from UConn. Yeah, it is. It's because he went to UConn. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, it is. Uh, Mr. Kemba Walker. It's funny Walker. how that worked out, right? But, you know, it's funny, though. Like, when you and I were working at Nike, you yep. would speak about Kemba, like, you love get like yo, you can Yeah, yeah. When we went, yeah, when we. <laughs> so, so, so I now you went through all of that. Now you get to train one of my favorite basketball players. We actually saw each other at a Magic game. You know what I'm saying? Going, you know, yeah. see Kemba play, and um, and 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 Victor Oladipo, former Magic player, now with the, um, the Pacers. Pacers. And so, yo, so so, how did you get that break? Because so many people look at that and say, "Oh, I want that," and not realize you know, what you had to go through to get there. So what, what allowed you to get that big break? I know that you, you utilized, you stood out differently because of the, the, uh, the way that you was training, you know what I'm saying? So what, right. what piqued their interest in to say, you know what, I want this little Filipino kid to, <laughs> to train. Yeah. Me. Um, so you got to understand, right? In order to get a big break, you got to be so consistent with your body of work. And, and what I mean by that is even if no one's, if no big name is biting for your work, it's the small collection. Well, not, so I'm sorry. It's the big collection of small things. Mm. So what I mean by that, your body of work has to be consistent. So obviously before Kemba, I didn't train no big name NBA guys. I mean, I trained at ING. I trained some of those guys in the NBA, but we're talking about the biggest name was probably like Rodney Hood or Iman Shumper. Good, good guys, good yeah, quality yeah, yeah. NBA guys, but we're not all stars. Mm. They're not all stars by any means. And I'm talking about that in the stats perspective, not talent. I think anybody that makes the NBA has a lot of talent, but let's get, let's be real. There's levels yeah. to that. Right. Um. So, with that, even with that being said, um, I just started like you know with all the videos I posted on Instagram and social media, and you know. My, I just made sure every day I was posting something that added to my collection of my work, my body work. It could be something small. It could be a method that I demonstrate. But it was, this was like 2016, 2017. I was just making sure I was posting every day. So therefore, 
it wasn't about the big break. It was just like they saw my body of work and how consistent I was. Uh, this is just me. This is just my opinion. It could be yeah. false. It could be totally somebody to say, you know what? Let's give this little kid a try, whatever the case might be. Um, but I think it's just more than that. You understand, NBA players are the pickiest guys to work with. All right? So it was, I believe it's just because, all right, cool. Let me see his body of work. All right, cool. We'll give him a chance because I showed consistency. Right. It's just, you got people understand. You want the big break? You got to show consistency. Mm. Somebody has to see – they have to see why they're taking a risk with you. Mm. At the end mm. of the day, you're a risk. Even though – let's say even if you train for free, an NBA guy for free. At the end of the day, you're a risk because they could do something you tell them to do and they get hurt. Bam. Mm, you know what I mean? Mm, At the mm. end of the day, you're the you don't even so think, I, I, you, know, you don't even think about that, man. I, I didn't even think about that until you mentioned that. That's, yeah, that's... So, the, so yeah, the way I thought, and like, yeah. I, people, I'm a liability. At the end of the day, I'm going to be a liability if somebody takes a risk to work out with me. Because, you know, then they, I, they didn't know who I was. But I wanted to make sure once they started doing research that my body of work was there. So what I tell anybody that's upcoming in the craft, if someone, if you want that big break, if you feel like someone needs to take a chance on you, like that big name and give you a chance, your body of work better be good. And I don't mean by good as in like names, like you train big names. You just got to be consistent and strategic of your body of work. Like I was putting out, I made sure that my niche was ball handling and footwork. I want to make sure that people knew what they were coming to me for. Mm. So if a guy like Kemba, he gave, us, he gave me an opportunity. Just because like, ah, shit, all right, cool. Oh, excuse my language. My bad. My oh, no, you're good. You're good. You're good. Um, that's sorry. That's a little bit of a raw side of me. Um, <laughs> we hey, keep it hey, raw, hey, real, and relevant around here. So, hey, so that's good, man. Hey, <laughs> hey, so, like, they, they looked at it as, like, I, he probably looked at it as, you know, obviously I got connected with him through Edgar Sosa. Edgar Sosa was his best friend. If anybody who don't know who Edgar Sosa is, he's a Louisville University, uh, Louisville University legend. Uh, he played at Rice High School. Um, Big time high school player back then, um, but that Domin- was Dominican, best right? Yeah, Dominican. I-, I was rocking with him doing the Louisville because there's not too many Spanish guys who's on that yeah, national yeah. level, man. So I- when I saw you training yeah. with him, I was like, okay. Yeah. So we were training him first, and then the connection came from there. Where, all right, Edgar started talking to Kemba like, "Yo, you got to train with these guys. They are legit." And mm-hmm. obviously, Kemba's just not gonna say he's gonna train with somebody just because his boy said it. Like, ah, right, let me see what they have. Show me some body of work of why you think I should. Then he saw the methods. He was like, all right, cool. Let's give him a chance because he probably saw some value within what we were doing and how it could be effective for him. And that's how we, I really got the opportunity to work with Kemba and then turn it into multiple summers with him. Um, one of the coolest Vic. things, I, w- I want to stop you yeah. guys. So one of the coolest things yeah. that I loved was seeing the videos of you training him and then seeing the things that you do in training play out in a Translate. real game. That it yeah, is phenomenal, yeah. man, because, you know, you yeah, see Yeah, that was that. awesome. Yeah, yeah, I, I love to see that, like, what you envision, you're seeing somebody actually benefit from on, on, on a national right. level. And, um, right. and so, you, you, you know, you're a part of that process. I, we don't have too much time, so I'm going to cut. Um, but, but what would you tell, you know, inspiring t- trainers or athletes who, you know, see what you do, they look at the, you know, the... I want to make it to the NBA knowing that there's a one in a five million chance that you're going to make it. Right. But for those who may not make to the highest level, what, what would be some proper steps in achieving the goals or, or some advice that you would tell them, like you may not make it here, but you can still utilize the knowledge skill set that you have to accomplish X, Y, Z. What would you tell those individuals? 
Um, it's more so you got to have layers within your dream, right? Like, I mean, at seven years old, I made a decision that I was going to be around basketball forever. Obviously, I thought I was competing at a high level. But um, the, the more I grew up and started maturing, I started figuring out how to place layers within that dream. Okay, I might not compete at a high level, but I can help somebody compete at a high level. You know what I mean? So that's still me being part of the, that environment, that, that basketball environment, because I love that basketball is my passion, right? So you got to understand there's layers to your dream. You don't owe, it's not just this one thing. It's not just black and white. You, you got to understand there's like, think about an NBA franchise. There's so many roles in an NBA franchise hmm. from GMs, assistant GMs, recruits, video coordinators, um, scouts, assistant coaches, skill development, strength and conditioning. If, if you know, you just got to understand what your passion is and just understand what kind of layers there are that's possible for you. You can't just say, I want to compete. Obviously, trust me, aim big. If you want to say you want to compete in the NBA, awesome. All right. The thing with that is, and I'm not even going to go with the numbers, what are you doing every day that's going against the odds of you making it? All right. So let's say, what is it like? What's the numbers on making to the NBA? Do you have an idea? Like, um, one, I don't, one, I, one in a million. Let's just, and that's being. All right, all right, let's just <laughs> let's just say one in a million, right? Yeah, it's a little off because we're not taking accountable of people who are actually working out, people who are training, people who are attending camps, people who are attending um, AAU tournaments, or, or all right, let's say. In this aspect, right? One in a million. Okay, great. You got to cut that more of, cut that in half. Let's just say out of the million people, let's just say 20% is actually working out. Mm. So you can cut out the 80%. If you're working out, if you're part of that working out category, okay, cool. Take out the 80%. You're not part of that. You're part of the 20% of that one. Okay. Now let's go a little deeper. Within the people that are working out, the 20% that are working out, how many people are actually working on the correct things? Maybe. 50% of that 20% is working out. So you cut off another 50% of that 20%. So you place yourself in that 50%. Okay, cool. People that are working on the correct things, how many of those people are working on their nutrition? Maybe mm. 30% of that. So you, let's say you, if you do that, place yourself in that 30%. Eliminate the others. All right. Now within that 30%, how many of those guys are, work, are stretching every day and working on flexibility? maybe 20% of those guys, then you eliminate the others. And now you're part of that small 20%. So mm. it's actually a really good chance for you to make it an NBA. If you look at the perspective of, look at the perspective of what are guys are actually doing? Because you can't just say it's one out of a million chance, because if you work out every day, five days a week, six days a week, seven days a week, you're placing yourself in a higher category. So let's eliminate 80% of the people not working out. You're part of the 20% category. And then you got to keep placing yourself in categories by your daily activities and your routine because that is the way you make it to your dream. Against, to defy odds, you got to do things every day that puts you in a category in a very small percentage category. Mm. And then from there, it just more so you place yourself, okay, let's say 5% of the people into the most deepest category where – you're stretching, you're eating the right things, 
you're working on your, sh- your strength and conditioning, you're working on your agility, you're working on your skill sets, you're shooting 500 shots a day. That's maybe like what? A thousand people in the, in, in the U.S.? Mm. Now you've placed yourself in one out of a thousand chance to actually make it to the NBA. That's mm. a good chance. Yeah, yeah. The way that you, you broke not- it down from one million to one to a thousand by doing those things. Yes, that's a, a good chance. I'll take that's, it. That's a good, that's a good, that's a good way of putting it, man. I didn't put it this way. What were the chances of me becoming an NBA trainer, one of the best in the world? Right. That's one out of, I don't know. Let's say there's a billion people in the world, but I know a billion people aren't trying to do what I'm doing. Right. Right. So yeah. you cut that within 90%. All right. <laughs> so what's 90% of a, of a billion? What's that? Like 500 million. Okay. Out of that 500 million, what are, who are the guys that are watching tape every day? Yeah. Working on methods every day. Um, working on my methods every day. Okay, cool. Maybe like five percent of that, five hundred million to cut off everybody else. Now I've placed myself in a smaller pool, of I know I can find some success. So that's how I always carving, saw things. Carving out a niche, being consistent. You yeah, know, ca- I was and, carving and, out the fat. Yeah, and do and do fat. what other people aren't doing will give you yes. a better chance of succeeding yes. and reaching your goals than everyone else. Listen, we could talk about this all day long, bro. It gets deeper. Because, it of, gets time, deeper, we, because yeah. of time, we're going to have to cut this short. I do want to leave you with one last question. If you had one message to the listeners, what would it be? And, and if you can condense it to a tag phrase um, or, or if, you know, when it's all said and done, what would you like for people to remember you by? If there was one tagline, one phrase that you would like to have on your tombstone, for instance, what would that be? Um, it, uh, obviously, it's not as cheesy as it sounds. Hopefully, something a little bit more, um, the, the, at least the, con- the, the wording should be, I hope so, it'd be better. But I was a guy that bet on myself. And regardless of the outcome, the process of me betting on myself allowed me to be just the most joyful person I can be within my field. All right. It, and it wasn't, it's not because of what happened, whether I succeeded or failed. I just bet on myself. And then the process of me betting to myself allowed me to figure out who I was. Mm. You know what I mean? It allowed me to be, be me, freely be me because I betted on myself. No one could tell me anything about me. I betted on myself. And whether I found success or I failed, it allowed me to be freely become the person that that I was, you know, intending to be. So, so in one sentence, if you want to have joy, bet on yourself. Yeah. All right. In, in, a, in, in a sense where, you know, because it's not about the success or failures, it's about that journey of you betting yourself. Because when you bet on yourself, mm-hmm. all right, two things are going to happen. You either rely on luck or you rely on work. And the work Ooh. allowed me to really be me. If you can rely so on I wasn't luck rely, rely on work. Ooh, that's a, that's I, a I good one. Like, <laughs> I didn't rely on luck. All right. Luck is a 50-50 chance. Yeah. You either get it by any mean, by something good happens or you don't. Work was going to be a hundred chance for me because I wasn't going to stop till I got it. You That's the difference. I love that. I That's love the difference. That. The work, I was a hundred percent. It was a hundred percent chance me making it because I was not going to stop till I got it. I didn't yeah. care how long it took. So yeah. it was a hundred percent chance in my mind. Luck is 50-50. You could get it or you don't. But work, you don't stop until you get it. That's 100%. That's 100% uh, on the field. Yep. Shooting percentage on the field. You just keep going until you, you make it. So you rely no on luck. You can either rely on your luck or rely on your work. I like that. We're going to leave it like that. We'll, we'll leave it on that. Yeah.
Hey, listen, Ryan, I just want to say thank you so much for your time, bro. Like, like you're one of the very few people that, that I have seen take a passion, go through adversity, and now making a name for yourself and being one of the top basketball trainers in the world. Like, like so the, uh, the opportunity for me to interview you and whoever may hear this, just know, like, like to see this, this man, right? To see Ryan go from where he went to, where he went, where he came from, and where, where he's achieved, man. I'm super proud of you. Just want to let you know that, bro. Keep working. Keep doing your thing. I, I will make it to Kissimmee as soon as this all thing is over. I, I, will, <laughs> no doubt, I will get a training session. I, my left ain't strong, but uh, my jumper solo is there. But I need, I do need to work on my handles a bit, man. But um, we we are going to conclude with this podcast this again. Thank you so much, Ryan, for your time. And for everyone who's listening, hopefully you guys have been blessed by this uh, podcast. Uh, again, this is your host, Loami Richardson. Thank you for tuning in uh, to my podcast, Just My Thoughts, messages that are real, raw, and relevant. Until next time, y'all, blessings. Peace.